Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we're wrapping this up today, and, and this concept of, of like, a, like a bosque, um, this picture is actually a picture of the largest bosque in the world. The largest bosque in the world is in the Rio Grande Valley. And a bosque, if you don't know what it is, uh, a bosque is a, is a grove of trees, is a, is a forested area along a river that moves through an arid area, through a, through a desert so here's this river that comes down, moves through a desert area, and because there's water there all the time, because there's a river, well, then life can live. But you get away from the river, and man, it's, it's, it's desolate, it's, it's ugly, it's, it's a mess. And, and in fact, we have our own little bit of a bosque here as the Concho River cuts through our arid, dry area of our patch of West Texas. And we see all of the different things that exist along the Concho River and the, the forested stuff. And so this is such a beautiful place because so many scriptures tell us and have this reference that, that if we, as we trust in God, we're about to look at our lead scriptures, we trust in God, then we are like a tree planted by a stream of water, that we're like that. And God wants us to be there. God wants us to be healthy and, and strong, so much so we looked in at, at week two that God put his Holy Spirit, the stream of living water, within us. That he wanted that not just to be able to come alongside, but he wanted to go with us wherever we went. And that God has given us as his children the Holy Spirit that lives within us and empowers us and gives us life. <coughs> so as you uh, open up your bulletin, you open up your version app, that we've launched with this concept that when we when we trust in God that we're like a tree planted by the stream of living water. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, but, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Remember, we want to know God better. We want to trust Him more. It says, and they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It never fails to bear fruit. It always, its, its leaves are strong. Well, here in West Texas, we've got a lot of drought. And I, like anybody else, I enjoy a pretty green lawn. I enjoy a nice lawn. But we have a large family. We have seven kids, if you're new here. That's right, we have seven kids. So there's, there's nine people in our family. Well, if you, uh, pay, you know, pay attention to your water bill here in San Diego, you know that the water, the more you use, the more they charge you per gallon. So the, for the, the first gallons of water, first sets of tens of thousands of gallons are at one price. And then it moves up and you, you get into the next tier and that chunk of water is more expensive. Then the next chunk of water is even more expensive. Well, you have as much laundry, as much showering and toilets and all of those different things at the Clark household. Um, well, all that water, it's got to be used. I guarantee you, everybody wants us to use the shower water and the laundry water. Everybody wants us to use that. Well, by the time all that's said and done, when it's uh, you know, summertime and I want the green grass, the most expensive water 
that Brandon Clark uses is the water on the grass. Because I, I have to use that first water. So the most expensive water that I put out is my water on my grass. So, man, I'm really contemplating on some, some fake grass. And so I don't have to do that anymore. But I tell you what, we have some trees. And those trees, they want to live. And they want to find it. So whether I put water out on the grass or not, my trees want to live. <laughs> and there is a stream of water with the laundry and the... Uh, showers and all of that stuff. There's a stream of water at my house all the time. It runs under the ground in a pipe that's supposed to stay sealed. And it's supposed to stay sealed. You've heard of a, of a little company called Roto-Rooter? Well, the Roto-Rooter exists because these trees, they want to find that stream of water. They don't care what kind of water it is may not be a stream you or I want to have a picnic by. And so, but they want to find that, and they'll find that sewer line and find any little crack. And before you know it, there's an entire root system that exists inside the sewer line. And then the roto-rooter people have to come and chop it all up and get it all out so that the sewer can be what the sewer is supposed to be. But there is this thing where these trees, they, they want that. So whether I'm providing it or not, whether it's going or not, they want to be that tapped into that stream of, of, of water. You and I, we, will, we have this desperate need. And we will, if we don't watch it, we will begin to find something that makes it feel like everything is going to be okay. That when the weather comes and the, <clears throat> the heat comes and all of those different things, and if you and I don't watch it, we will begin to not care if that's a polluted source or not. Because we get so desperate and we get so that we're like, man, the, the heat's coming. Because we know the, the tree planted by the stream of water, it doesn't fear the heat. It's, it's, it always produces fruit. Well, I guarantee you nobody wants to eat the fruit off of the tree that the roto-rooter man gets called for. We don't want that one. We don't want the sewer water um, oranges. We don't want that mess. We want the stuff that's been fed by the rain. But you and I will be like that. We will end up finding something. We'll find something that tells us it's going to be okay. Sometimes we'll end up finding that on, on our social stuff. That we get the likes and we get the accolades and we get the thumbs up. And, and we, we post just the right picture. We do just the right thing. And everybody says and we feel a little bit like everything is going to be okay. Some of us like a back, big fat bank account. And you enjoy Logging in, seeing that it went up a little bit, that that cushion of money got a little bit stouter. And guess what? Now I don't have to fear when this different stuff comes. I've got these people in my life that care for me and love me. And when that begins to get a little bit rocky, then now all of a sudden a relationship, even a good relationship, even a, a husband-wife relationship that's supposed to be life-giving, it cannot be our source of life. It cannot be. It cannot be. We, you and I have to lean into God. We have to lean into Him. But there is a unique way that God expresses Himself. And He expresses Himself through the body of Christ. Folks, you and I, when we are rooted in love, we have the power together to grasp the depths of the love of Christ. 
the power together to grasp the depths of the love of Christ. Let's look at Ephesians. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. We're going to catch up in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And Paul writes and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Rooted and established in love may have power. And here is the big important word. Together. May have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure <coughs> of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations now and forever. Amen. So here's this big, amazing, deep passage of scripture that centers on us being rooted and established in love so that we can then begin to understand together the depths and the heights of the love of God. But notice he says that we're going to understand it together. We're going to understand it together. We all have these amazing little things in our hands. And what's so cool is these phones are rarely used um, as phones. Um, I don't even know why we call them phones anymore. We hardly ever talk on them. Um, but they have all sorts of other cool stuff. And so they got these cool cameras on them. Uh, in fact, um, my, my, my phone is waterproof. And so when we were in, uh, at the beach and went snorkeling, I was able to take my phone into the water and get some really cool pictures. And I um, didn't have to have an extra camera. Just sit there. And it felt so weird. Everything within you says, don't stick your phone underwater. And I just had it underwater. It was awesome. And, um, and so, but does it, how many of you are old enough to remember when a, when a cell phone was just a phone? Okay, that's all it was. It was just a phone. It didn't text. It just made calls. That's all it did. And then somebody, but even before the iPhone, decided to stick a camera on one of those flip phones. Does anybody remember those pictures on those they were terrible. They look like screenshots uh, of, uh, what's, that, uh, what's that game? Yeah. Minecraft? Minecraft, thank you. <laughs> they look like screenshots of Minecraft. And so everything was terrible and pixely, and, so, and you could barely make it out. A lot of them were black and white, and so they didn't even have any color on them. But man, there was a, there was a camera on your phone, but it was pretty much worthless, um, because uh, all, all the people look the same. There's just this kind of blob and maybe a smile. And they, they looked real emoji-ish or something. And they, it was, it was, they were pretty much worthless. But then they started increasing what on them? The megapixels. The resolution. And all of a sudden now, there were more and more and more pixels that were being captured. And the more pixels that were captured, the better you could see the picture. And now they've got all these ridiculous megapixels that you can take a picture and you can blow it up 
and you can see stuff you didn't even know was there. And you're like, you know, I didn't want to see their nasal hair. You know, I just wanted, I just wanted a good, clear picture of my uncle. I didn't want to see how many things were coming out of his nose. And so, but it's amazing because you can do it. It is absolutely amazing. And the more pixels, the more pixels that were there, God has put this thing together to where individually we can begin to see the shape and the, and the connection and the love of God. God will express his love to you. But you will be able to understand the love of God in a deeper way the more connected you are with other images of the Father, with other people. And instead of increasing our megapixels, we need to increase our mega people. We need to have more people in our lives that we begin to see that the image of God through. And as we begin to see that, then the clarity and the height and the depth and all of that of the love of God begins to become more clear and more real to us than ever before. It's real easy for us to say, you know what? I, I, me and Jesus, we kind of got our own thing. We're all right. We're good. And you know what? They're, they're, that's, that's, a, that's, that's the foundation. But you cannot fully understand the love of God by yourself. You can't do it. It is impossible. Paul writes this to say we can grasp this together. It's, gonna, it's something that surpasses knowledge. You can't Google it. You can't read a book about it. You can't listen to a podcast about it. You have to experience it. And this first really, my, my mind began to really open to this of seeing the, the depth of the love of God through someone else's very different experience um, began to, went, went, years ago, um, even before Weston was born. Back whenever we first got involved in, in ministry, uh, the church that we were connected with was very into missions. And um, there was a lady that some of y'all um, who were connected back in the day would, uh, would know as a lady named Liz Nolan. Um, everybody called her Mama Liz. And Liz was a, was a, a neat lady. Um, she was a lady who had a, about a sixth grade, grade education. Um, she spoke about, like a lot of you use Facebook. I mean, the grammar's terrible. And, um, and so, and, um, and so the, uh, her grammar was just, was just rough. Her education was not there. Um, she was not a, a well-put-together lady. Um, in any shape, form, or fashion. Um, she was not in any exceptional intelligence or any of these things. Here what she was is she was a passionate child of God, and she believed that God had called her to, uh, to serve mountain Indians, that she, that she had to, to go and serve indigenous people that lived in the mountains. And because our church was involved in missions, then she's like, I want to do that. Well, she was a, had lived alone she was a, a very brusque lady, very tough lady. She had not had any children of her own. She had never married. Uh, she had helped raise a couple of nephews and, and raise them up. And, and um, she had never owned property. She had never been affluent of any kind. She had always been lived below the poverty level here in the United States. And from a normal human perspective... Um, you say, okay, you know, this, yes, everybody has potential in God, you know, and, you know, and this little sweet lady, you know, maybe she can help over here or help over there. But, man, she just knew that she was, she was called to reach these, these people. 
Well, there was no connection. There was no connection with mountain Indians. And so our, our team did the best they could. And, and they found p- different positions for her. And that they were never in the mountains. They were never there. And, and she went through multiple different posts, about five different positions that she basically got fired from. That she's there to, went there and served for free. And they're like, no. And so she was just a hard lady to deal with. And they were just about to give up on her. They were just about to give up on her, and this uh, place in Chinique, Guatemala opened up. That was up in the mountains, and I don't know if you remember your uh, Guatemalan history, but uh, from 1960 uh, to 1996, um, Guatemala was just enthralled in a civil war. It was a mess, Um, and there was lots of deaths, and there was uh, tons of orphans, tons of orphans, and a lot of the fathers were just gone. So there were all of these single moms with multiple kids, and and the poverty was terrible. And and so Mama Liz got the opportunity to go to a feeding station up um, up in the high mountains of Guatemala. So she goes to this feeding station, and she is there. And here's how bad... Here's how bad the poverty was in this part of Guatemala. When she got there, they were feeding 100 to 150 uh, kids three times a week. And they were, it was just real simple. They, they made tortillas. Um, I mean, they, we, they would pat them out. They actually ground the corn. We watched them grind the corn and helped and cooked them on a wood fire um, piece of metal and that had a wood fire under it. I mean, this was very, very old school. And would make a, some kind of a vegetable soup. But on Fridays, on Fridays, she would bring, there would be meat in the soup. There would be meat in the soup. And when she started doing that, because she's like, man, these kids need some, they're too skinny, man. They need some, they need some protein. And as soon as she started putting meat in the soup, um, fewer and fewer kids were coming into the, to eat. And she's like, you know, they went from 100, from 100 to 150, and there were fewer and fewer and fewer coming. And she's finally like, what's, what's going on? Well, meat was so rare and so expensive. And the concept that one person could feed 100 to 150 kids soup with meat in it. Not a chunk of steak, soup with meat in it. That it was so mind-blowing that the rumor went around that she was taking one of the kids and putting the, a child in the soup. I kid you not. And so no matter even, so these moms were refusing to, to let their kid go to the feeding station. And so she ended up having to go to the meat market and she would get the meat on the tray and she would walk it through town. So people would see her coming from the meat market, and she's like, no, we, this is legit. This came from, the, and then all of a sudden, man, then lots of extra people started wanting to come. And so, but it was mind-blowing to them. They couldn't believe that a person could afford to put meat in the soup for that many people. That had to be some sort of nefarious thing. Well, this lady goes into this community, and she begins to serve, and she just begins to love all these kids. And she, could, she spoke, I speak better Spanish than Mama Liz did. I mean, she had the most text messed up Spanish you've ever seen. But she was able to then hire ladies 
She'll be able to do the work she had. When we went there to, to serve alongside her in 1998, this was two years after the end of the Civil War, and, and the place was just still a, a, a wreck, um, she had seven ladies that worked for her. She'd been there so long that the mayor of this town would just do whatever she asked. Well, the community would only keep their water turned on until noon. The whole town's water system was turned off at noon. So you had to fill your tanks in the morning so you have water. Well, there was a team of us coming in, and she talked to the mayor, and they left the water on to the whole town for the whole week that we were there so that we could take a shower whenever we wanted to. I mean, this lady had that kind of influence that she could go down to the mayor and the whole town would be able to do it. And this was a lady who, who here in the, in the U.S., uh, she didn't have that kind of influence. She was able to buy the Commodore. She was able to buy the feeding station and own land and have a nice vehicle. And, and when we were there, we built her a carport to be able to protect her car. And, and, and she was an employer. And she did all these different things. And she loved it. And I, and I saw there. I saw there that first off, my young eyes did not see the bigness of God. I didn't see it. I was here. I was a, I was a young man who uh, felt like I, I had a, a decent IQ. I had a college education, I had a plan, and um, yeah, you know, to believe God could use me. Yeah, yeah, I believed it. But here's a lady that didn't have any of the things I thought I had going for me. And she was being used on a level way far beyond, far beyond. And I saw there as I began to, to sit in that Commodore and watch these kids come in and go out and, and, and these ladies come in who, who worked for her in the ministry that went on. And I saw for real that everybody has a big life in God. Everybody. Everybody has a big life in God. No one is relegated to a second class spot in the kingdom of God. If we're willing to go where he asks us to go, to do what he has called us to do, what we want is we relegate ourselves to lower places. We keep ourselves comfortable. We keep ourselves in spots. But every person, every person in the kingdom of God has a big life with a big impact, with big influence, if we will dare to believe it and to move forward to it. And Mama Liz blew my mind open, and I thought I saw the love of God. I thought I understood it. But then also when I saw what he had done through Mama Liz, I was like, oh, my gosh. It's so much bigger, and I would have never seen it. And I would have never have seen my own arrogance. I would have never seen my own pride. Had I not seen what God had done through her and then all of a sudden begin to see, wow, God was still using me even though I was a prideful, snot-nosed young minister. Thought I had this and that and whatnot going for me. And you know what? The only thing any child of God has going for them is a willingness to say yes to Jesus. That is it. That is it. And all of us can do that. All of us can do that. It doesn't take an education. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take other kind of influence. It says simply saying yes to God. See, we can only see the depths of God's love together. <laughs> Thank you.
You'll never fully see it alone. Acts chapter 2, 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Colossians chapter 2 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, you simply received him by faith, continue to live your lives in him. Just like you received him as Lord, simply by faith, live your life that way. Live your life in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness He is the head over every power and every authority. He is. Whenever we begin to be connected with the the body, everything begins to, 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 to fully work and to fully function. See, folks, fellowship is vital to our growth because we were created for community. We were created for community. One of the most beautiful mysteries of God is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. People use a lot of different things to try to explain it, but it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's bigger than we can try to begin to, to get our, 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 our hand on it. You know, people talk about, you know, the different elements of water. When water is water, is water but it's ice. Water is water when it's wet. Water is water when it's steam and when it's in the air, but it's three different phases. Or, 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 the, or the, the old shamrock thing where you have the three different lobes of a shamrock, but it's still one, one leaf. And, and we try, but, but it's, a, it's a mystery. But here's what the mystery reveals to us. That God himself, there it doesn't live isolated. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. See, love only exists when it is able to be given and received. That's why God is love. Because there is this deferring. We see the, the, this, um, the Holy Spirit deferring to Jesus. We see Jesus deferring to the Father. We see this love going all through the Trinity. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. See, this is there in the garden before sin came in. And it, God had always said, It's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. But here was this place in the middle of all the good that wasn't good. In the middle of all the good that wasn't good was aloneness. It wasn't good to be alone. Folks, God has called us, has called us to be connected together in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Romans chapter 12 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Arrogant Brandon Clark. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. 
Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, says, Where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. While we were on our cruise, um, we, uh, one of our stops was uh, Port of Cozumel, which if anybody's been on a cruise out of Galveston, you go to Cozumel, and so, which is uh, an island off the coast of Mexico. And um, there's some, uh, some Mayan ruins in that there. And, and so on our little excursion that we did, we did a little Jeep excursion and some, some uh, uh, snorkeling. And uh, our guide says that we're going to stop and see uh, this Mayan ruin. He says, it's not one of the big ones. He says, it's like a pocket-sized ruin, you know, just a little, a little pocket-sized ruin. And it was. It was small. And so we stop, and, and we go by, and, and it just it looks like, a, like a, a, a really big doghouse or something. It, it's, it, it's, it's not this huge, amazing structure. But you can tell it was old and ancient. And um, anyways, it had, uh, has this little, these openings wasn't near tall enough for anybody to be inside it, so you obviously it wasn't a dwelling. And then it had this hole in the top, it looked like a chimney. And anyways, he's like, "Does anybody know what this is?" And of course, none of us did. And uh, he said, "This was the the Mayans' version of a lighthouse." Says because they would they would come over to the island for for their temple worship and a lot of their stuff, but you you couldn't always see it from the coast. And so what they did is they had these little, these little spots all over the island that they would keep fires blowing, and the smoke would come up out of these things. And they would be able to see these columns of smoke coming up there off of the, the horizon and be able to paddle and go towards, towards the smoke. And, so as, and they would have all of these over the different places. Folks, you and I, God expresses his love that way. We want to begin to see how wide and how amazing it is. And you and I are each one, one of those little pillars of smoke. You're each one showing a different facet in the love of God. And we say, is it, is it, is it just here? No, it's here, but it's also here. And it's also here, and it's also here, and it's also here. This is why us sharing our stories and sharing our testimonies is so important. Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. What Jesus did, that's what the blood of the Lamb means for those of you who are new. Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, what he's accomplished, and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony, we share what God is doing and has done in our lives. And and we are sharing another facet and aspect of the love of God. It is an absolute Beautiful thing. So here's how this works. God's called us to, to love God and to love others, right? So here we are. So we, we love God. We begin to connect and we grow in Him. And then He helps us to love others. And then the others show us God's love in new ways. And as we see God's love in new ways, our love for God grows. And then He helps us. To love others even more. And then those others show us God's love in new ways. Which makes us love God even more. Folks, this is why our life in Christ should never stagnate. 
If you feel like you have stagnated in your walk with God, you need to get connected with something, begin to share some God stories with somebody. You have not had a good cup of coffee or a good cup of tea with somebody and just shared what God is doing in your life. It's been too long if you're feeling stagnant. Yes, you need to get in the scriptures and read the scriptures, and that'll fire you up. But you know what you need to do is you need to go down to your favorite place to have a cup of coffee or, or hang out, and you just need to get along with somebody, and you just need to share God's stories, what God is doing in your life. I'm telling you, that will fire you up. That will stir you up. That will make you ready to be ready to move forward faster than anything on the planet. And for whatever reason, we're too private with them, and we're too quiet about them, and we don't share them. God is working in all of our lives together. We need to be more open with what God is doing in our lives. This is how he grows us. And this is how we're constantly growing in loving God and loving others. In loving God and loving others. Folks, today our bottom line is this. That our eyes work best when they're connected to the body. Our eyes work best when they're connected to the body. We're able to see God better through the body of Christ. We just are. Because God is the source of life. He is the source of life. Stay rooted in Him. Stay rooted in Him. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.